We're constantly trying to fix other people. It's not our job to fix people or their perceptions. It's everyone's individual job to quote unquote fix ourselves. And I'm, I'm in a full believer that there's not really anything that needs to be fixed. It's really more of the perception of where you're going. Is it going towards your goal you want to do? Yes or no? Okay. There's no right or wrong in my, in my perception. It's only about where your goal is and where you want to be at. If you're going towards the moon and that's where you're headed and you're like, I want to go to the moon, but you're in the direction of going towards the sun, there's a wrong direction there. And that's what needs to be shifted and directed. This is the Mind Body Detox Podcast, where we discuss all things integrative health and wellness, interviewing folks from all over the world, sharing insights and wisdom on how to live a healthier life in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome back to the Mind Body Detox Podcast. I'm your host, integrative intuitive medium, Kara Loveheart. And this is the third episode in our empath series today. And this episode is called The Safe Zone. So we're going to be exploring empaths and boundaries. So if you are an empath out there or you know of one, I highly recommend that you listen to the previous episodes if you have not. But this is for those of you out there that want to turn off your sensitivity. If you are feeling so overwhelmed by being an empath, overstimulated, And you're just saying, help, I don't want this anymore. This episode is for you. So how do we actually have our empath sensitivity turn its volume knob up, so to speak? How does it really get to the point where we have a hard time managing it and that it just becomes so overwhelming? Well, we have to go back and look at how our energetic boundaries get damaged over time through trauma through overstimulation. Basically, this is the premise of we we become more open to the energy tides, I should say, or the waves or the, the fluctuations of energy, emotions, and information around us. And a lot of times this happens early in our childhood. It could be something that is not necessarily a trauma that you would say you can remember, But even maybe just your nervous system was primed when in utero. If your mother had a lot of stress she was experiencing, we know a lot of really great science out there showing that the brain development of in utero children or babies is easily influenced by the stress of the mother. So you could have in utero been geared up to be more empathetic, to have a brain that's more wired to be in more of a sympathetic mode, high alert mode for your own survival. And that can lead to having an extremely more sensitive uh, nervous system. Now, it could also have happened to you more recently. Maybe you were in a car accident or had a near-death experience, or maybe even just with COVID, it was such an overstimulating, fearful time for you know, even still currently, people are experiencing so much fear that it can heighten your nervous system for a long period of time and put you in a mode where you're more sensitive to the environment. So whatever that initial stimulus was that created an, a heightening in your nervous system, that is something, if it's become a pattern or if it was something that was foundational to your development, can create this energetic sensitivity, but it also can really make it hard for you to separate yourself 
from others around you and create an energetic psychological boundary between your own personal experience, so life experience, emotions, feelings, and pain, to it being bled over into almost a nebulous cloud of your boundary of who you are and your identity gets clouded and gets absorbed and and bleeds into the surroundings so that you sometimes don't have this differentiation between yours and an others. And now how does this happen? Because when we are babies, we don't have a understanding that we are a separate identity from our parents. Because when you're a baby, you don't really fully have an identity yet. Your experiences are filtered through your five senses. During that time, there's no understanding of the passing of time, of the separation between you and other people as an identity, as an individual person. You explore the world from your mother's energy, from her emotions, from the information you're picking up and assimilating about her tone of voice. And you don't have concepts associated yet with frustration, sadness, mother, father, room, environment, dog, cat. You don't have an association yet in your memory to say, oh, this is that and this is that and compartmentalize it. It's like you're in a sea of information similar to what empaths experience who are very sensitive on the spectrum. You're in a sea of information, yet at that age, you don't have the differentiation of understanding what is what. You are just getting potentially stimulus that is maybe preferable and stimulus that isn't preferable because each of us has a different personality and different threshold for stimulation. So maybe some babies like a lot of color and they like a lot of noise and a lot of sound and they're okay with being around big crowds of people and they like that. A lot of times babies are more sensitive again because they haven't really fully a sense of uh, developed a sense of self yet. And that makes it hard for them to separate themselves from the other items, people, experiences, and the entire environment around them. Because when you're a young baby, the only thing that is there to protect you is your parents and their energy fields. So at that point, you only have the understanding of the world around you as all of it is you. So your mother, if she's feeling upset, you can get fussy and feel upset because you're being influenced by it. But you don't recognize at that time that it's not something that's part of you because you don't even have an identity or an understanding of you, like that you are separate. And I hope that makes sense because it's really important to understand this because if we have parents that are helpful to giving us a a secure sense of attachment to them where we feel safe and held and supported and they're strong and boundaried within themselves, they have good energetic and psychological boundaries with themselves and others, they're more likely to help us as we grow, navigate learning to say no, not having to people please, and learning how to differentiate our stuff, our energy from others. Now what happens if we have issues with feeling um, afraid? Maybe we are attached to our parents in a way that's insecure. So we worry about them leaving. Um, We worry about being abandoned. Or we even had an experience as a young child of one of our parents or someone passing away or uh, leaving us at a babysitter and we felt they were never coming back. Some of those experiences as an adult 
from our perspective, sometimes don't seem that big of a deal, but they can be if they set up a pattern and a foundational understanding when we are very young, creating this sense of insecure attachment to our parents, meaning we are not securely feeling safe and attached, and especially to the very foundation of our own survival and safety. Because a healthy sense of attachment is where we feel safe, we feel nurtured, and we have the foundation to grow and explore the world and to maybe venture out and becoming our own identity and, and separate person from our parent, but we're able to come back to our parents when we feel scared out there in the big old world by ourselves. That's why the terrible twos and terrible threes, part of that journey is to get away from the parent, but it doesn't really, the three, two, you don't really know that you are separate. You only know yourself as the entire universe. You don't always know yet why is that person crying? Because I took their toy. You don't get there's an other. There's someone outside of yourself. And the, you kind of are in this sea of everything being all one and all all a part of you. Me first. I want this. This is mine. And that's, again, part of the, the development. We don't know yet or have understood or been taught yet um, how to understand an identity as separate from ourselves. And then, of course, we go through this phase when we're in our teenager years of really trying to break away from our the energy, the belief system, the boundaries, the lifestyle, the culture, whatever it is that our family has uh, set up for us, we try to break away from that and rebel as a teenager. We're trying to create our own sense of self. That's why teenagers will dress very different. Um, they may do something that's very different than what their parents are doing. Or, you know, you can have kids that also follow along in their parents' footsteps. Either there's two ways that they're, they're doing that. You could follow along in your parents' footsteps and doing the, the same thing they're doing, believing the same beliefs, have the same talents and skill sets and desires, just because that's who you really are. Or it can be based out of an issue with attachment. Like, I'm afraid that if I don't do these things or go become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever my parents want me to do, that I won't be good enough. There's an identity point there if I need to still be attached to them because they are my life-saving, grounding, survival part of your instincts. They're based out of your parents. So let's think about this in terms of being an empath. You have an energy field, a little energy bubble that has all of the imprints and information of who you are. And that's what an energy intuitive will read when they meet with you, of what's, what's kind of in your energy field. And it enmeshes with other people, with your friends, your family, your lovers, all those things. That information is there, especially if you don't distance yourself after a relationship or you have deep emotional energetic ties with other people. That information you carry in your psyche. And that's really what the energy field is. It's a, it's a reflection symbolically and through physiologically your body, how your body carries itself and your psychology has been set up of an imprint of who you are. And as we grow, right, our little energy bubbles expand beyond our parents. But again, we always will rush back to them until we feel safe. And if we have a layer of insecure attachment for a very long time and they come from that foundation, we will attract people in our lives that will play the roles of our parents because on some level we haven't been able to distance ourselves and create our own energy boundaries, our own identity, our own, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, this is what I don't want to do, I'm going to say no to that. The ability to say, you know, I have some conflict resolution I can do here, I know how to work with people, I know how to say no, I know people will be upset, but I've had examples through my childhood and upbringing that 
we get upset sometimes, but we still love each other. You know, a lot of this again goes back to, I'll say it over and over again, if we don't have a secure sense of attachment to safety from our parents, that will help set up energetic sensitivities for us. You could even have really, really loving parents too. So it's not a matter if your parents were what you could label good or bad parents and their parenting style. It's not even about that. It's about these unspoken things. You could probably think of these things in your family. There's unspoken communication. And this is the animalistic brain. This is part of us as animals. Think about before we had speech, before we had the ability to talk and use language to express ourselves. There was usually energetic communication nonverbal communication through body language, but also noises and looks that created a dynamic between you and other people, you and your parents. And usually that unspoken communication was based out of some sort of territory uh, status, who is the leader in your family, who is the strong one, who is the passive one, what are the ways to operate, what is, a so- is socially acceptable in this group, in this family, and what is not. And that's all done through unspoken communication. Even people who, again, who are very energetically sensitive, you can be in the environment of your family and you can have been so wired to know when something's not right. When you come into a room, you don't even look at your father or mother's face. You don't even see or hear any noises or what's going on, but you can enter into that space and feel a vibe, feel a, hmm, this is safe in here, or hmm, someone had a fight in here, or this is this is a place where I need to leave right now because I might get, you know, whatever, some of the backlash from there, maybe there was an argument. So again, these are all very animalistic communicating points of us as human beings. And that's how animals communicate too. If you have cats or dogs, watch, they do this. Yes, they have body language. Yes, they have growls. But you know that animals, if you see your cat walking outside, they're listening for all the little subtle noises that could be a threat. You know, same things with dogs. So we have to think not only as empaths, we're picking up the five senses. So the all sight, sound, taste, you know, hearing, touch, you can pick up all those things as an intuitive person or as a sensitive empathic person, but you're going to be filtering through a sense of safety or sense of not safety. So this is why this episode is called the safe zone, because we want to talk about how do we help you to understand boundaries from a way that's more than just saying no, more than just understanding the foundation of what it is, because I think that's something that we make it black and white. But with being an empath and being an energetically sensitive person, it's not black and white. (laughs) And I think we have to understand it more from the human energy field and that we are waves of energy of information. And it is really something that you may not relate to unless you're really high on the spectrum of, of sensitive as an empath. You may only experience it with close family members, but not maybe out in public. That's actually pretty normal. So if you're thinking about, I don't know if I'm an empath to the degree she's talking about, that's okay. Again, how we experience and filter through the excess information around us is based on how well-developed our energy body, which is the aura, the layers of the aura, all that, how well-developed and resilient that is to create an energetic separation or a filter between your identity and someone else's. So let's, again, go back to this energetic foundation of energy boundaries. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the black and white, you know, saying no and all those things. But I think those are really important to talk about. Because if you can understand that you are a bubble of information, and if you have a solid identity, meaning a separation between you and others, 
in this is me, that's them. In that sense, your energetic field, your aura will be very strong and you'll be able to come into a space and right away separate and say, that's not mine. You'll still be able to feel it, but you'll be able to know and come back to the sense of self instead of searching around for who am I? What? Wait a minute. Is this mine? Is this someone else's? Because that's what happens when we have insecure attachment to our parents. We are constantly trying to find that sense of safety that we never maybe had. And maybe we had, again, loving parents. And it's just a perception of not having safety. Which, as an adult, an adult you might look back and say, well, I was safe. I don't know why I think I wasn't or I still think I'm not. That's how the un- unconscious works. It's very powerful and we have to work our way around it a lot of times. But when we don't know who we are, and have separated ourselves from our parents. We're always looking for that secure attachment. Somehow we're trying to resolve it through a partner, through a spouse. And again, that's why you keep reattracting the same people into your life or the same types of, you know, lovers or friends because you're trying to find some sort of healthy attachment. And you're always mirroring and trying to figure out who you are and trying to find that safety through another person. So I'll give you an example. If you are someone that when you go out to lunch with a friend or family member and they're talking about maybe a movie that they liked or music that they liked and you start saying, oh my gosh, I like that too. And maybe you don't really like that, but you don't know that you don't like that. And that's the tricky part. So many of us who don't fully know who we are and have a solid foundation who we are as empaths, which is very common, we bend and flex. We chameleon ourselves. We are wanting to people please. We're wanting to be accepted. We're wanting to feel safe. It comes down to that. We want to feel safe and loved. So the ways that we have compensated for doing that over the years is to help other people so that they feel safe and calm. So maybe they don't yell at us or whatever might've happened growing up. We want to help fix things so that we feel safe and that we don't have to deal with emotional stress. We also want people to like us because if they like us, they're less likely to hurt us. We want to find ways to connect people in our family and make peace with people, be the matchmakers and the problem solvers, because then we have less information or emotional input to process (laughs) if we don't have to deal with other people's stress and, you know, we can be the peacekeepers, right? And ways that we do this again are crossing our own boundaries because sometimes we don't know that we've never had boundaries. We've never had a a boundary between, this is my identity. I like this type of music. I don't like that type of music. I just said that because I kind of like it because I like them a lot. And you, you know, again, you bleed over the sense of self versus some, some sense of someone else. This is where we get energetic enmeshment, where we lose ourselves in, in sense of our relationships. And you might've seen this if it's, it's very similar to codependency. And a lot of these do cross over. And it's like a matter of you, you hang out with a new group of friends and you become, you know, a lot like them versus, Hey, I like these things. I like the style of dress, but I, you know, they don't like this music. I like this. They like these type of movies. I don't like this. And you base your friendship or or your relationship around your commonalities instead of shifting your personality, your likes, dislikes to that group, to that person, to that work environment, wherever you're at. And this is really common because we are animals that live in tribal communities. So we are trying to be again, all about this survival and be liked and understood and accepted. So I'm going to share some ways that we cross boundaries that we may not even know about. It's important that you may not even realize that you're crossing a boundary. There's nine of them. 
nine common ways that we cross our boundaries and we're not even aware of it as empaths. Number one, you probably already know this one. We say yes, even when we don't want to. So this involved with helping other people, maybe involved in intimacy with friends or even sexual intimacy with partners when we just don't really want to say yes, but we do. Maybe with playing with someone else's kids or maybe babysitting or caretaking or even playing with your own kids. Maybe you're tired at the end of the day and you have this sense of guilt of how they might feel if you don't play with them. And maybe it's like, hey, I don't, I, today I'll play with you tomorrow. You know, we don't have that. We just say yes to everything. So that's a common way that we cross our own boundaries. We neglect ourselves is a very common one. And you may not even have thought of that as a boundary. When you have a full sense of who you are and your identity, you know yourself and you know what you need for you to respect and love yourself. You usually don't neglect yourself, but a lot of times we, again, are trying to find that secure sense of attachment through other people, and we stay up late helping other people. We end up maybe not eating all day because we are still trying to get a lot of stuff done. We maybe don't get enough movement or sleep or even time alone, and we end up neglecting our true emotions, like maybe even anger and frustration because we don't like feeling those and we don't want to push them onto other people because as empaths, we feel sensitive to emotions. So we don't want to experience them from others, um, let alone ourselves putting out anger into the world, right? So neglecting ourselves is number two. That is a boundary crossing. When we cross our own boundaries again, that's why we're starting with the ones that we cross, saying yes when we don't want to and when we neglect ourselves. So when we do these two things, we are perpetuating energetic boundary crossing. So again, we go back to this, how do you shut down from feeling overstimulated and feeling oversensitive and saying, I just want to turn my empath skill set or my sensitivity, whatever you want to call it, Kara, I want to turn this off. Help me turn this off. Well, we have to start with the basics. How can we learn to say no? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but we have to recognize first that we say yes a lot of times when we don't want to. And maybe you've said yes for so long that no was never even an option, and you don't even realize that it's an option. Maybe you never thought, well, I don't really want to do this. Maybe you never thought it, and that's something that is really big for empaths. Having no awareness that you don't even want to be doing what you're doing, it's just so much a compulsive need to help and to support and to give that you don't even realize that you don't have to, right? That's a big one. So number three this is a boundary that I think most empaths do not think about. Trying to fix people constantly. So we try to smooth things over or make people feel good when we sense they're upset. We try to, again, create relationship peace when people and family dynamics are upset. When we are trying to constantly fix other people, sometimes we take on a burden that's beyond our own responsibility to help. And a lot of times in doing this, we enable our loved ones to continue to demonstrate the same behaviors that they have been doing that keep them in that trauma or conflict. So if we are constantly trying to fix other people, we're taking some of the responsibility away from them. One really common example is I know that there are partnerships out there where and this is a romantic living, you know, domestic living situation where one of the partners is a hyper empath or over nurture and is trying to help fix their partner. They're trying to lead the horse to water 
and waiting for them to drink. Um, they're forcing them to drink. They're trying to, they're doing a lot of the legwork for them. And this is a dynamic that I see really common in our world where there's a lot of one partner that is working and the other one's not. And of course, there's situations where, you know, there is disability and things like that going on. But we're looking at there's no equal exchange in the dynamic of the relationship. And that person saying, well, they don't have the capacity to do it. When in reality that they do have the capacity to, maybe they can't work, but they can help do housework or chores. I see a lot of dynamics where we have partners that are living at home and they're not taking care of the kids, they're not taking care of making food, or they're not helping with chores, they're not working, they're not doing anything. They're completely enabled by their partner who's a hyper-empathic person and caring and loving and thinking, well, I just need to give them space. Maybe, maybe I can help fix them by... I can buy them these things or I can take them to this place or I can, whatever it is. But if that other person, that other party doesn't want to be fixed, you're enabling them to continue and it is crossing a boundary of someone else's because it is their responsibility to help themselves um, or to take the help that they're being given and utilize it, not to just drain it from you like a little energy vampire and not do much to actually propel themselves forward in their lives. So that is a big boundary that empaths cross all the time. We're constantly trying to fix other people. It's not our job to fix people or their perceptions. It's everyone's individual job to quote unquote fix ourselves. And I'm I'm in a full believer that there's not really anything that needs to be fixed. It's really more of the perception of where you're going. Is it going towards your goal you want to do? Yes or no? Okay, there's no right or wrong in my in my perception. It's only about where your goal is and where you want to be at. If you're going towards the moon and that's where you're headed and you're like, I want to go to the moon, but you're in the direction of going towards the sun, there is a wrong direction there. And that's what needs to be shifted and directed. When we are trying to fix people and focusing on what's wrong with them, we're really feeding into perpetuating that person's inadequacies and perpetuating that person's fears or not being good enough. In an unspoken way, we're, we're saying to our partners, you can't do this yourself. I need to do this. Something's wrong with you and I need to help, whether it's help you get your diet fixed or get your money in order or whatever it is, partners, friends, whatever it is. It's not our job to fix people or their perceptions. In a healthy dynamic, we are the helpers. We are the healers. We are the caretakers. We're there to help people, to give them the tools, give them the opportunities to help themselves. And it's a partnership of helping. And sometimes you're, you know, taking on more of the burden for a little bit of time, you know, lean on me when you're not strong. That happens in dynamics. But when it's a point where we're always trying to fix people or change their perceptions and they're not doing anything about that, doing their own legwork, it's, it's something that can be detrimental. And again, we're crossing their boundary then. And by crossing their boundary and crossing ours, stepping into, that's their business. That's their life. That's their identity, not yours. Your identity is, I'm a healer. I'm a helper. I want to do these things. Okay, great. But how much, to what capacity are you stepping into their territory now? That's their life journey. It's not your journey maybe to help fix them if they're not ready and they don't want to. So we talked about three ways we cross our boundaries so far. We say yes when we don't want to. We neglect ourselves and we are constantly trying to fix people. Number four, we stay on input mode versus output mode. And what that means is input mode is where we're constantly screening the environment around us to see what needs fixed, what needs help, who is upset, uh, what is out of order. Sometimes this can even be um, 
where if you're an energy sensitive, you compensate for that oversensitivity by keeping things very organized, very clean. I don't want to even use the word OCD, but just being very, very specific about how things are done because it does give you a sense of order, especially when you're constantly on input mode. Your nervous system is picking up what's going on in the environment so that things can be, find peace. You can fix something, right? And that's why Number three, from the last trying to constantly fix people, boundary crossing, that's how we do it. We're on input mode and screening our environment to find these people or these circumstances to be fixed. When we can put ourselves on output mode versus input mode, that's when we can really change our sensitivity here. And what I mean by that is if you're in an area with someone that you're like, I need to fix this person, something's going on with them. Instead of screening their tone of voice and listening to them on a very deep present level and feeling what's going on in their body and, you know, you're getting that energetic information overload, just be with them and be on output mode. Feel your body, feel you, feel your identity, who you are inside of you and just shine love. And you don't need to shine love, like push it out of you because that can be, some people do that as an overcompensation for when they sense negative energy and they, oh my gosh, I got to put love on this. This is so gross and heavy and I can't handle it. It's a little bit, it's pulling me down. It's just this steady pace of love and acceptance of where the person is. That's it. And being on output mode, you're being you, you're shining you. And I know that sounds like a nebulous concept, but really think about it like this. In an energetic dynamic, when an empath starts to get drained by someone who, you could say they're an energy vampire, but they're being really negative. In that potential interaction, you are really the person who's on input mode at that time. You are screening your environment for how to act, how to be, how do I need to shift my energy? And that person, unfortunately, who's in the more negative mindset is shifting you. You're allowing them to shift you because you're in input mode. Like I said earlier, when we don't know who we are and have a, a solid foundation of our identity and, you know, from, from birth or whatever, whenever it happened where we had a damaged energy field, we can go around like that Dr. Seuss book and we're like, are you my mother? Are you my mother? Like, who are, who are you? Are you me? Do I like these things? And we're constantly, again, reflecting ourselves on other people to try to figure out who we are to find that identity point, which again is the energetic boundary that separates us from others. And so when we are in input mode, we are not solid in who we are. We're trying to gather information to help. But when we're on output mode, we're, hey, I'm standing here interacting with a person. I know and I see that they're feeling stressed or whatever they're going through. But I'm just being solid in who I am, not shifting my energy, my voice. You know, your voice might be more compassionate, but you're not shifting how you look at the person, how your body language is. Maybe they're feeling sad right now. I shouldn't intimidate them by having my arms crossed. If you feel like having your arms crossed, or standing a certain way, or whatever it is for your own comfort level, you don't need to shift that to appease another person. Now, if you are in some sort of abusive relationship in a dynamic where it might be unsafe, please don't take my words, you know, black and white here, get some help with that. But because there are situations you could be put in danger if you don't yield, especially in a dynamic where there is a hierarchy or an alpha dynamic happening where someone's trying to have a power struggle with you. But if there is a situation where you're with someone and you sense that they're going through something and they need to talk, you can stand strong in who you are and not have to shift your body language, your tone of voice, what you would say, you know, what type of your, your interests are. Don't shift those. Being on output mode is being you, shining you, not gathering information to figure out who you are by reflecting with other people. So that's number four. 
staying on input mode versus output mode. That's a boundary crossing. That's not having actual boundaries. So I hope that makes sense. And it's a really big one. Another one that I find funny is trying to find connection always. We can be very different from other people. And I am one that sees the connection always. We're all human. We're all going through this human experience. We feel all the spectrum of emotions. And that's it. We have different ideologies, different philosophies, all, all different you know, differences. But I see that the connections. But I also know that there are some times where you're not going to be able to make a connection with someone, even if you really want to. To make you, to again, feel safe. It's about how do I, oh man, this is a little uncomfortable here. Maybe if I make a connection, I can feel safer here. If you can recognize that you're just not feeling safe, not in a way where someone's going to harm you, but just there's a difference in your philosophy or your dynamic and you want to make them feel comfortable because maybe they're, maybe they have a different political view on you and they're starting to feel uncomfortable because of something you said. I think if you can recognize you don't always have to find the connecting point, going back to we're human, we're connected here always, you don't have to try to figure it out and make a connection where there maybe isn't one. It's always nice to find commonalities. I completely agree. But when you're doing it out of fear, when you're doing it out of this lack of boundary, lack of energetic boundaries of feeling safe, and you're doing it as a way to calm the energetic nonverbal communication between you and a person because you feel uncomfortable about a difference that you're perceiving, that I feel is crossing a boundary as an empath. And that's not standing true in your identity and who you are. So I'll tell you a story. I was at the um, OBGYN, I think it was last year, and I walked in and I just sensed a big difference between me and the person behind the counter, the receptionist. Because I, of course, am an empath and I'm gauging who someone is and I sensed that I might have made them uncomfortable. I think it was because I was I was talking in, uh, I would say, a very um, strong, hello, how are you? The word assertive isn't even correct, but it's just I was really cheerful and happy. And, you know, sometimes when you talk to someone and they're not maybe in that same mood, you feel a difference and a contrast and you're like, oh my gosh, uh, now I probably made their, you know, made them feel upset because I'm feeling really good and they're not feeling good. Well, as an empath, I crossed a boundary and I shifted and said, well, let me maybe shift my energy and maybe come down to her level and maybe I can make her feel better. You know, it's not my job to fix her. It's not my job to neglect myself and to neglect my thoughts and feelings and emotions about something and have to try to say, yes, I'm going to have this conversation with you and try to fix you and be on input mode. Again, these are all boundaries we've just talked about. Be on input, input mode to try to figure out what, who you are, where you're coming from so I can help. Okay. Big boundary crossing. And that it's not something that you're, you're doing it consciously. And, and again, this is a boundary crossing that you may not have thought of. Again, it's not like I'm going on someone's, in someone's home or going in their car through their personal belongings. That's something that we are very well aware of that that's a boundary crossing. This is trying to make a connection with someone where maybe you don't need to make that connection. You can just be who you are and that's enough. You can be who you are and that's enough. I'll say it again. You can be who you are and that's enough. I started going on talking to her about gardening and how, wow, isn't it great that, you know, the spring is here and we have all these flowers coming up. And she started talking about her garden in her backyard. And I said, oh my gosh, wonderful. What do you grow? Okay. She started saying all the different plants she grows. And I said, oh, me too. And then I started going on this whole story and it was so compulsive that I thought to myself, I sat down, I thought, I don't have a garden. I just lied to this woman. 
And I, I did have a garden like years ago, but the last couple of years I haven't had time to do a garden. And I was telling her a story as if I had a garden that year instead of saying, oh, well, I had a garden two years ago and I growed that stuff. Now, maybe I didn't need to, you know, have this little white lie. It seemed ridiculous, but it was so compulsive of a need to connect with this woman because she was feeling in a down, you know, downer place that I realized I had totally crossed a boundary instead of just being the sunshine, just being happy and joyful and saying thank you and connecting on whatever, you know, that would naturally come up. I didn't have to pull on her. I think some, some empaths out there will really look at this and say, oh my gosh, I do this all the time. Now let's rewind here. Okay. And we're going to share the, the first three ways that we cross boundaries one more time. We say yes when we don't want to. We neglect ourselves, staying up late, eating food. We don't need to eat, movement, sleep, all that stuff. And even our emotions that we neglect. Trying to constantly fix people, staying on input mode versus output mode, and always trying to find a connection. Now, please remember that if you're in a good place and you're feeling good and solid in your identity, trying to find a connection with other people is healthy. But always trying to find it and doing again, the intention for what you're doing and how you're doing it is where the boundary crossing potentially can lie. So if you're trying to find the connection always to overcome a sense of feeling of discontentment or this uncomfortable feeling between you and a person, trying to find that connection in that way, I think is potentially crossing a boundary of yours and another person. Again, you are starting to shift who you are shift your energy. Again, when you shift your energy out of who you are and your identity, that's when you're going to start to pick up someone else's energy. You're going to be on input mode because you're trying to make sure things are okay. And when you're on input mode, that's when your sensitivity goes up. Of course, you're telling your sensitivity to go, go on. I need to figure out what's wrong here, how to fix it. I got to fix these people. And again, for those of you out there saying, I don't want to help people anymore. I want to turn my sensitivity off. This is how you do it. You have to become solid in knowing who you are. Because when we lose ourselves, the self, through others or through our environment, that's when we start to, again, lose a sense of identity and pick up the other things around us, trying to figure out who we are again, or where our boundaries are, or where our edges of our self lies. And that's why knowing the self is the most powerful thing that an empath can do to separate yourself and your energy from others. So think about the other things you might do that relate to crossing your boundaries, saying yes when you don't want to, neglecting yourself, trying to fix people, and being on output mode um, or input mode versus output mode and trying to find connections. So, you know, agreeing with other people's beliefs, that's a big one versus thinking for ourselves. And then trying to be strong when we don't have the capacity to do something. So again, this goes back to what our boundaries are and our capacities our ability to be strong and watch that horror movie, even though we know we can't handle it, or being in a crowd or interacting with someone who has, who's confrontational in person and try to be strong, even though I probably would be better just over a text or email right now because I just my sensitivity level just can't handle it. When we try to be strong for others or strong to watch that movie or go to that rock concert or go be in that crowd, you know, because we're trying to just be okay or go along with our friends or our spouse we are crossing a boundary. So if you are working on getting your energy sensitivity to be balanced, working on these self-care non-negotiables that we talked about a couple episodes ago, or I'm sorry, last episode, it's really important to be recognizing when you're crossing a boundary of trying to push yourself. You don't need to push. You don't need to be strong and be like everyone else because your nervous system is the culprit here. If we are trying to master our sensitivity as empaths, 
the best thing that we can do is to help our nervous systems to heal. And that does mean having boundaries and saying no when we don't have the capacity to be in a overstimulating situation. And ways that we can manage that is by having a rhythm, a consistency, a routine, a structure. Because when we don't have a rhythm, we're crossing a boundary. We're actually having the world tell us what to do. We're allowing the fluctuations of the world around us to dictate what we're going to do that day. Are we going to feel drained because the world is crazy and the news and this thing happened or my kids, or are we going to have a strong foundation of a structure of our self-care so we don't neglect ourselves, of our routine, time management, of what do we do when we do get drained? How do we pull ourselves out of that? What is our routine and our structure, our protocol when this happens? If you have a rhythm that you can be consistent with and have a routine with, that is a humongous, like I can't even tell you how big that is. That is the way to create a solid sense of not just boundaries um, psychologically and just having a space where you can manage your, your energy and your life. But it is a really big thing for people who are trying to heal their sensitivity. I can't say that enough. It's a big one. Because a lot of times if you don't have a rhythm or a structure that you have created, even if you need to tweak it a lot, if you don't have that as a foundation, you are at the mercy of the world. And you are one that, again, you can easily move into this sense of um, the world is, I'm a victim of my, my circumstances and feel powerless. When you create a structure, even if it's something small, like every day, make your bed in the morning. That's it. One thing, one little thing you do every single morning. You do, you know, self-care at this time, brush your teeth, take your shower, whatever, movement at this time, eating at these times, whatever that routine is that you need to do. Having that rhythm is absolutely crucial to learning to energetically handle your sensitivity. And I think all of these things I talked about as ways we unconsciously cross our boundaries are really big to continue to look at and monitor. So I'm going to read them one more time. We say yes when we don't want to. We neglect ourselves. We try to fix people constantly. We stay on input mode versus output mode. And we're always trying to find connections with others, even through maybe shifting our belief systems or how we think about ourselves, um, or even not really think for ourselves and just go along with other people think. That is a way that we constantly are crossing our own boundaries and having no rhythms, no routine, no structure, no consistency. So we don't have to be strong. We don't have to bend or shift to the world around us because that's exactly what the nature of a highly sensitive empath is. Imagine you as a little tree that has these little roots that aren't fully anchored in. Whenever the wind blows, whenever a fight comes up, whenever a shift in your routine, whenever you don't have enough sleep or enough self-care, whenever you say yes when you mean to say no, whenever you're on input mode versus output mode, you are just that little tree being subjected to the wind blowing back and forth. The energetic emotional, environmental weather, so to speak, is just shifting you back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you're shifting with it. Instead of staying firm in your identity, which would be like that tall oak that has deep roots that the wind blows and it, you know, looks over its leaves blow a little bit and it says, okay, I'll interact with you wind, but it doesn't get knocked down. It's not overwhelmed by the wind. And that is a really good illustration of what we're trying to share here when it comes to being fully rooted in your identity versus always going around and saying, are you my mother? Hey, wind, do I go with you? Maybe I'm the wind. The tree says, maybe I should go with the wind and flow with it. And that's why so many empaths are sensitive not only to the astrological structure fluctuations, the full moon, the weather, um, substances, people's energy, emotions. And again, depending on where you are on the spectrum of sensitivity, you may have 
some, you know, to these degree or the other, you know, but it's really important to kind of recognize and see yourself as this fluctuating little tree. And this is what you need to do to create a boundary, to create that sturdy, solid foundation, like that tall oak that's very firm in who it is. That's exactly how we stay in the safe zone. Because again, the safe zone is that place where we have that secure attachment to ourselves. Not always looking for the father figure, mother figure, whoever they show up in our lives as to find that sense of security that we never really developed fully, or it was interrupted somehow. That's really what we're looking for. So how do we create healthy boundaries then? Now, in the next episode, we're going to talk about dynamics of relationships that are really common. But I think the foundation is first, we have to recognize that we've crossed our boundaries in the first place. We have to recognize these, these things. And really the foundational understanding is, hey, I don't really fully know who I am. Like I know a little bit who I am. I know that I'm sensitive. All I'm identifying myself right now is that I'm a sensitive empath. But that's a start. If you can say, I'm empathic, that's who I am right now. I can't go to that concert. I can't watch that horror movie. That's a start. And then we start to identify ourselves in these different departments. This is what I like as far as food. This is how I like to dress. This is what I like in relationships. We have to start identifying what our values are. What do we value in relationships, in our health, in our spirituality, in our money, in our home domestically? in our social circles, in our jobs? What do we value? What type of dynamics? And when you can look at those things, that can really help you as a firm foundational tool to start creating healthy boundaries. Now, I always recommend working with a coach or a counselor to really develop these, especially if you feel that you've had a lot of boundary crossings in your life. If you're in a codependent relationship or even abusive relationship, please Do not try to just do this yourself. Please reach out to a licensed counselor or a coach or even a minister or priest, whatever works best for your background, but make sure you're getting the help that you need because creating healthy boundaries is a process and it all starts with figuring out who you are and what you value. Because once you know those things and you get those really solidified, like that oak tree, solid, then you can start to recognize where in your environment are you crossing a boundary or other people crossing your boundary. One of the easy ways for us to register when we've crossed a boundary of our own or someone else has crossed one is when we start feeling frustration or anger. We start feeling that that emotion coming up in us. That is a solid indicator that there might be a boundary being crossed. And as empaths, we'd like to avoid confrontation. Anger and frustration are things we don't like to feel. And sometimes it's not until we let it build up and build up and build up that we finally put our foot down and we finally decide to do something different whether it's our own actions or someone else. So anger in this capacity has a very beautiful purpose. It's a catalyst to change. And if we use it in a healthy way, we don't throw it onto others or throw it onto ourselves. We use anger and frustration as a way to say, "Hmm, indicator here, something is not right where it needs to be. Something needs to shift. Let's do this with that. Let's make some action steps. So that's how when we have anger and frustration, when it comes up, if we can recognize that it's a tool and a catalyst for change, and that's what its gift is that it gives to us, then we can look at what boundaries have been crossed and how we can shift those. So that's a really good indicator when you've gotten your your values down and what it is that you really want. Thinking about the areas in which frustration and anger towards yourself or others come up could be potential indicators of a boundary being crossed. Now, three things that I feel are important when it comes to creating these healthy boundaries. Number one is tracking. So if you know, again, what your values are and where boundaries are being crossed, 
we can use tracking sheets to kind of sit down and, and write down where we see things happening, how often we see them happening. And it might be energetic crossings where you're in a, you know, a situation where it's too loud or you're in a, in a dynamic where you go to a family reunion and you can't be around your family or a holiday because it's, it's way too much. And you know, there's a lot of fighting going on or, or maybe even just other stuff happening. If you track whatever it is through journaling, through this is how I felt in this situation, my energy got drained here on a scale of one to 10. I felt happy. I felt sad. You can track these things and you can really learn to monitor what needs to change. So what we monitor, we manage. So over time, if we monitor things through tracking sheets, we can eventually learn to manage and make different decisions. So we want to track what we spend our energy on, that media that we spend our energy on, how much time we're on our phone, the food we eat, our time. What are we using our energy to do? What situations drain our energy? Where do we feel frustration and anger, potential boundary crossings? These are things that when we monitor them with tracking sheets, we can manage them. So what we monitor, we begin to manage. So that's one of the first steps in creating and maintaining healthy boundaries. Number two is to keep monitoring who you are and your values. Because as you grow and as you mature, our values sometimes change. But you always want to come back to asking yourself the question, what do you really want to do? Do you want to help this person? Is it someone you, somebody you really want to help or is it something you really want to help with? And if you do want to help with it, do you have the energy to do it? So I think that you're constantly monitoring your values, your energy, and who you are and what you really want to do. As that shifts and change, you can maintain healthy boundaries as you grow and mature. And again, with your energy sensitivity, you can learn when to be on output mode and input mode. So you're in a situation where you have to help someone. It's good to be on input mode for a little bit so you can get an idea and gauge where they're at and how you can help them. But then go back on output mode and say, this is who I am. This is my values. This is who I really am. I want to help this person and I do have the energy to do it. So these are the things I'm going to do. I'm not going to shift myself like that tree being blown in the wind. I'm going to stand tall and be firm in who I am like that oak tree and give to this capacity. I won't shift my ideas. I won't shift my, my language or about my, my interests. I might be still socially acceptable in the situation of how I need to with the dynamic, but I'm not going to shift who I am. And number three, in learning how to maintain these healthy boundaries that you're creating, you have to learn how to say no guilt-free. So guilt-free no's is an amazing freedom that you as an empath can also have, and it's something that takes practice. But looking at it from a perspective of trust in the way that the world works and the way that the universe works and the way that spirit works or that God works can really help because a lot of times we give and don't say no because we believe there's no one else out there to do it. And we, again, have this false belief and crossing of a boundary that it is our job to fix other people. It's not our job to fix others. And by saying no... We can allow ourselves, again, to heal ourselves because it's not our job to fix others. It's our job to heal ourselves. That's exactly what we do as empaths. We are here to heal ourselves, to help ourselves, so that we can shine that love and that light out to the world without differentiating and bending and shifting our personalities like a little chameleon. If we trust that the universe takes care of us, spirit takes care of us, everything happens for a reason. Or even just watching, if you don't have belief in that, even just watching your environment and seeing how people naturally progress through a sequence of events, 
a sequence of learning, resolving conflict, you will see that things naturally have a rhythm. They naturally have a thing that happens. It's, it's hard to explain it, but it's, it's true. The universe does take care of all of us. If you stop enabling that partner or that friend, they may still be your friend, but they may still go so, to someone else now that will help them and enable them. Because if you decide that you're not going to help energy vampires anymore and people who drain you, you set that boundary and say no, guilt-free, you know and trust that there will be someone else that will come along. Either that person will no longer be enabled and have to take responsibility for themselves and their actions, or if they're too scared at that time and they're not able to, someone else will come along. They'll find someone else. And that's how it always works. We all have family members, friends, and people we know, we see in our lives, coworkers, whatever it is, that they go through whatever their troubles are and they either overcome it or attract the same situation. They create or recreate through their actions and behaviors similar circumstances and similar dynamics in the way they're interacting with the people, whether it's an empowerment through their actions or disempowerment and feeling victimized. Those are, again, are the two types of people. We have to learn to no longer enable other people. If we can do that, we can say no in a guilt-free way because we know the universe takes care of us and it's not our job to fix other people. It's our job to heal ourselves and healing ourselves is the way that we can allow love into our lives more and we can allow love to flow in and out of us freely. And going deeper into maintaining healthy boundaries with guilt-free no's, it does take some work too, working with a counselor or a coach I think it's really important to figure out where we have a sense of guilt and shame and where it comes from. Because again, going back to this insecure attachment that we may have had as a child, a lot of times we feel guilty or ashamed or feeling not good enough that we need to do something or we didn't do something or we should have done something to fix it or make things right. So there's a lot of guilt and shame that empaths carry and especially around saying no. So that's something that's, again, it's deeper than this podcast, but I really want to let people know that you can have the ability to say no guilt-free. And that's one way that you can uh, maintain your healthy boundaries, again, through tracking what we monitor, we manage, and by maintaining our values and our sense of identity of what we really want to do and what we really have the energy to do. And being able to say no without guilt, because it is not our job to fix other people. The universe has a structure. It has a flow. It has a sequence of events. There's a pattern of how things happen when people heal, when people are, it's so prevalent. If you start looking for it, and people, sometimes I'm like, how do I even prove this to people? Because you, it's hard to prove, but only through personal experience. If you are very well aware of someone, their behaviors, their patterns, their choices, the people they, they choose to be around, you will see them ending up in the same situation, different face, same relationship, different face, same circumstances, different day. And the universe always, through their choices interacting with their world around them, always will recreate that situation until someone makes a shift in their free will, in their choice of expressing who they are. That's, again, so important. If we can recognize that if I'm not going to be the one to take care of that person, someone else will. Now, I went through this a little bit as an empath myself, Working with my schedule for my private one-on-one clients, I had to shift the way I was working. I was seeing 25 people a week, and I needed to cut that down so I was able to train staff and help my team have the support that they needed. 
Um, I got so busy and we organically grew so much that I wasn't able to maintain the level of clientele I was seeing and also do all the administrative duties for my business. So until I got those roles filled with other people, I had to say no to seeing these clients and step back and take my book down to a limited number of clientele I was seeing at that time. But as always, spirit, God, the universe takes care of it. So to sum up this episode and finding the safe zone, let's really look at what are the ways that we are crossing our own boundaries that we didn't have an awareness of that we were doing in the first place. When we say yes, when we don't want to, we neglect ourselves. We try to constantly fix people. Ah, We're staying on input mode versus output mode. Trying to find connections always. We agree to other people's beliefs versus thinking for ourselves. Having no rhythm or structure or consistency. And trying to be strong when we don't have the capacity to do it. And feeling guilty for our own negative emotions. Getting healthy boundaries is a process. Working with another person to help you. Working with a counselor or a coach. Looking at the red flags of frustration or anger as an indicator of a boundary that has been crossed. Tracking. Maintaining these healthy boundaries. What we monitor, we manage keeping in touch with our values and who we really are, and having the capacity eventually to have guilt-free nose come out of our mouths. So really coming down to this episode is if we have to boil it down, knowing thyself is the most powerful thing you can do to separate your energy from others and to manage your sensitivity. Getting in the safe zone is really fully getting anchored in the only safe place that there truly is to be, and that's in you, in your body in your identity, fully inside who you are as a person and as an empath. And that is the only safe place for an empath to be, to not only be able to give their gifts to the world, but not feel overwhelmed and overstimulated and burned out like a lot of empaths eventually get to be. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Next episode, we're going to go deeper into the dynamics that empaths experience in relationships, friendships, romantic partnerships, and even raising children as an empath. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then again, that final episode we'll have in the series coming up. Stay tuned for that is different tools we can use to manage the energetics, the non-physical, the unseen, the subtle aspects of being an empath. Thank you guys again so much for listening. And be well until next time, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Detox podcast. We wish you wellness and health in your mind, body, and spirit. And be well until next time, my friends.